But today we are actually going to be talking about the topic of faith. And I have chosen an American classic, a Christmas classic called Miracle on 34th Street. By show of hands, can you tell me, have you seen Miracle on 34th Street? (laughs) And that's okay for those of you who haven't. I have a confession to make. I have heard about this movie like my whole life, and I just more recently saw it. And so, true confession. So I'll catch you up if you're one of those people and you have not seen it. Um, But I've actually entitled today's message, Miracle on Wisconsin Avenue. Now, I know it's very clever. It's very, very clever. Uh, took a lot of thought, but here's why. Five years ago, God spoke a word to Jeremy and I to step out and plant Catalyst Church. Would you just take a look around? God is doing a miracle. He is doing a new thing. We literally stepped out on faith Uh, over five years ago, we started the process. And actually at the end of January, we are going to celebrate our fourth birthday. That's amazing. And by the way, uh, don't forget, I know it's a long way. It's kind of in our, we're trying to not remember it, but we did go through a global pandemic church. (laughs) God has been good to us and we are still standing. So we have a lot to celebrate. Um, but for those of you who've never seen the movie, I want to give you a quick debrief before we jump in. So uh, essentially the main character, his name is Chris Kringle. Chris Kringle is the real Santa Claus. In fact, he works at Cole's department store in New York on 34th Street. It's clever, right? And so he is the real Santa Claus. And there's also the director of special events. Her name is Dory Walker. This character is also very important because she just doesn't believe in Santa. She's kind of like the Scrooge, right? She has lost her Christmas faith and her joy. Um, and we know why. We'll, we'll get to that and we'll know why. Um, but essentially, and she has a daughter. Her daughter's name is Susan. So these three characters are really important. Susan is the little girl and she has picked up on this message that has been given to her by her mom that Santa's not real and hey if it exists it's because you did it and so this little girl though she meets the real Santa and she begins to question like could this really be him thus starts the entire journey of Santa trying to prove and trying to kind of make mom a believer you guys with me All right, so let's pray before we jump into this first clip. This clip is going to pick up where Dory, the events manager here, she is getting ready, uh, she's getting Santa ready and prepped for his first commercial for Kohl's department store. Father, we love you. (laughs) We thank you that you can speak through anything and anyone. God, we thank you that you want to speak to us today. Father, that everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're tuning in online or even watching it tomorrow in the gym or whether they are here in this room this morning, God, I thank you, God, that your word does not come back void. And every time we open your word, God, and we open our hearts towards you, that you will speak to us, God, and that you will do miracles in our heart and in our lives. And so, God, we ask you, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, read us today. In Jesus' name, let's watch this first clip. So Chris Kringle, he has this movie line. I'm going to repeat it. If you can't believe and accept anything on faith, then you are doomed for a life dominated by doubt. When I heard this line, all I could think of was like, man, that actually sums up our Christian faith. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one can boast. 
You see, we, we actually live by faith every day. You either got here probably, uh, maybe to name a few, you got here by car, you got here by metro, you stepped onto that speeding bullet, you got into your vehicle, and you believed that you could get here. You trusted that everything was working. In fact, you even gave more faith to, to believe that the person in the lane next to you going 75 miles an hour was not texting and driving right? I mean, seriously, this is the day we live in. So you actually, you, you do a lot by faith. In fact, you go to work on Monday and you believe in faith that you're going to get a paycheck on Friday and the organization is good for it, right? You, we do a lot of things by faith. We get married by faith. Hello. Like someone that says, oh no, I knew for certain. No, you did not. No, you did not. It took faith. It took faith. Everything we do takes faith. It takes faith. And I hope to inspire you from God's word today because I want to unpack some biblical truths around this idea of the gift of faith this season as we prepare ourselves. You know, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving really is kind of the turning point. I mean, the stores, they've already been putting out Christmas stuff. It's been out for like a month so far. And so we are beginning to shift into a season that should celebrate our faith, faith. I want you to go with me to Hebrews 11, one through six. You can read with me on the screen. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understood that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings and by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death he could not be found because God had taken him away for before he was taken he was commended as one who pleased God and without faith, it is impossible to please God. But because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So I'm going to give you biblical truth. I'm jumping right into the point. Our first biblical truth is that faith is essential. Faith is essential for this thing we call the Christian faith. In fact, um, a lot of theologians actually call it a spiritual journey. So maybe some of you are familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. We are on a journey. We don't just get on and stand still. Hello. It, it, is, it is a journey. We are walking with God and hopefully we are growing in the process. In fact, there's four, there's actually three distinctives of our Christian faith that hinge on faith that I want to give you. The first is that the biblical description of faith is actually the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see. And so essentially what that means is as Christians on this spiritual journey, we are going to have to get really good at taking steps without seeing the whole staircase. Aren't you glad? You're sitting in this room today, not because just Jeremy and I took some steps, but a whole lot of people took some steps in faith before they saw the whole staircase. We're still stepping, church. We, this is why we're in believe. We don't know. We don't see the full picture, but God does. So we're going to keep on stepping. The second distinctive is that we know that without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible. So in other words, if you are going to have a relationship with Jesus, which he so longs for, 
It's going to require some faith, having some assurance in what we don't see. Even theologians debate this. It's like at some point you have to get to a place where you have to know that the infinite God, he created you finite. So how many know you can't know everything? You can't know everything. We also know that we, all we need is a mustard seed. In fact, Matthew 17, 20 tells us we just need the size of a mustard seed and we can speak and move the mountains in front of us. How many have some mountains that you're facing at the end of the year? Do you have some mountains that you've been praying for? I just believe that you are here today on purpose because God wants to stir your faith just like the author of Hebrews. He spoke in Hebrews 11. He is speaking to the Jewish Christians and he's saying, hey, don't turn back now. Don't turn back. Keep going. The best is ahead. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to encourage your faith. Some of you are questioning it and it is okay. It is okay. We talk about it all the time here at Catalyst. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to struggle with your faith. I would presume that most people on the spiritual journey get to these places we call spiritual walls and you question things, but that's okay. If you don't give up and you return and you continue to move through that wall, what you're going to find on the other side is that your faith is stronger for it. Martin Luther, he was a German priest and theologian. He says, faith is a living tree bursting with fruit. If you have faith, all kinds of good things will follow. So why is it so hard to have faith? Why is it so hard? Chris Kringle, he actually, I think he alludes to it in his conversation with Dory. He's basically like, hey, where faith is needed, guess what else exists? Doubt. What if God is not who he says he is? What if he doesn't show up the way that you think he should? And I want to submit to you three primary thieves that I have found to steal the, my own joy. And it is my great joy today to expose every last one of them to you. Because I would hope that for every fight, it was worth something. Because I have not fight, fought these fights to not share the good news with you that you, I want to expose the enemy's tactics so that you can go into this season with joy, no matter the circumstances. Are you ready to do that? All right, if you are not a note taker, now would be like a really great time to do that. You may need these. First, we have to establish that there is an ultimate enemy. If you do not believe that, he already has you fooled and you will not win. You have an enemy to your soul. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Which leaves us to thief number one. Are you ready for it? It kind of reminds me of Home Alone. I don't think that's one we chose, but you know, hey, it goes with the season. Thief number one is disappointment. Disappointment. We see Susan's mom actually has a lot of disappointment. You'll have to go back and watch the movie. But essentially, when she has her daughter Susan, her husband leaves her. She's in New York City. She's a single mom. She's working hard. How many know you would be disappointed too? It's a hard life. It's a hard life. She's having a hard time playing mom and dad. And she's got some disappointment that she has not dealt with. In fact, I would submit to you that disappointments are temporary events. They are not meant to become residents in your heart. Disappointment is an event. 
If you let it settle in your heart, it will mar your view on everything else moving forward. Church, I want to take a moment, and I know it's, it's a somber moment, but here's what I know. If you are living and breathing, you have been disappointed <laughs> thus far. You're in this room. You've probably been disappointed. My question for you is, are there any unresolved disappointments that you have allowed to find a resident when they were just an event? Life happens. But here's what I know. If we don't move past those disappointments, we build walls from the inside out. And we keep, keep out the good things. And God's word says that he came to give us life and life to the full, abundant life. It's difficult to do if we are unwilling to let go of past disappointments. Some of you, you know, we've got, what, less, almost 30-something days left in the, in the year, and there's some things you believe God for last year that you've seen no movement on. Do you have any honest people in the room? And you may be dealing with some disappointment, especially as the pastor tells you, come on, let's move ahead. You're like, but God didn't do it last time. Why do I need to stir my faith again? Because here's what I know. My dear friend, Dr. Reams, I will never forget what she said. She said, Christina, God does not reveal what he does not intend to heal. Here's what I know. If, you, if, if he is highlighting an area of disappointment or you just happen to be sitting here today under the sound of my voice hearing this and something resonates on the inside of you, that is a sure sign that God wants to heal it. He wants to heal it. He didn't want you just to get the thing that you're believing for. He wants something much greater for you, freedom from the inside out. He wants you healed, hold, and delivered this Christmas. Does anybody have some faith for that? God wants to do a deeper thing in you so that you can walk in the fullness that he has for you. Romans 8, 28 says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. That does not mean thing that bad things will not happen. It says all things will work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you believe it, church? Is it good yet? That does not mean that it will not, that the circumstance will change. But what it does mean is that you can have the peace and the joy and the healing and the freedom even in the midst of it. Come on, that is the true gift. I'm preaching better than y'all are speaking back to me this morning. I'm just saying. I want you to ask God a question this week. God, write this down. Is there a lie that I am believing about this area of disappointment? Here's what I know. Their enemy, because he's a low dog, he is just low. He's a lion seeking to whom he will devour. When there is a disappointment, you better believe a seed of doubt gets planted. And it looks like, is God really good? Have you heard that before? It's the same line from Genesis over and over and over. And here's what I know. Jesus came to redeem us. That means he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Therefore, you can overcome. That is good news, church. You are not a victim to your disappointments. There is hard stuff. There, is, there are disappointing things. You've been waiting for that baby. You've been praying for that husband or that wife. You've been waiting for that door to open. Disappointment is real, but it does not have to define you. He will work all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Y'all, I'm fired up this morning. 
This thing is in me, and that means that he wants it in us. He wants to fire us up this morning because here's what I know. He's an expe- I can expect, and my God will deliver. He may not deliver the way you think he will, but he wants to give you peace and joy that surpasses all circumstances. That is a promise. Thief number two is fear. Dory fears a broken heart. What if I believe, what if I get my daughter to believe that there's a Santa and he doesn't show up? She actually has a boyfriend, Mr. Collins, who's like in love with her and he keeps trying to like propose to her and she is just shut down. She is shut down because she's stuck in past disappointments. So she cannot see the opportunity that is in front of her and how much this man is madly in love with her. Can I tell you that God is madly in love with you? It is hard to see when you are stuck in disappointment. It is so hard to see how much he loves you and how much he wants for you. Where have you been allowing fear to hold you back? Where have, what area that fear is just eating your lunch? We all have them. And that there's a difference between being driven by fear and being afraid. Can I be honest? I was slightly afraid to step up here. I'm not being driven by fear. I'm driven by faith. I'm standing here, aren't I? There's a difference. You can do things afraid, but you don't need to do things driven from fear. When we allow fear to drive our decisions, we put blockades for all the good things that God has for us. Fear is not of the Lord. In fact, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In fact, we know that love drives out fear. He loves us. May we be so full of love that fear has no place in us, has no place. I want you to take a moment this week. I want you to write down the fears. Something I found really important is that when you write them down and you see them staring back at you, you have no choice but to deal with them, right? You're now accountable because you now see it and you now know. And now you've actually, that was the first step in disempowering the enemy's grip on your life was just writing it down. The second step is gonna be, God, what do you want me to do about this? (laughs) What's your truth? Go to God's word. His word is full of the truth. And then I want you to take a step, a radical step in the opposite direction, right? I was terrified of marriage. I was terrified. I walked down the aisle, and this is where the people are like, I was 100% sure that he was the one. No, you did not. I was 95% sure, and dear Jesus, make up the 5% in Jesus' name. Come on, we got to walk by faith, not by sight. And thank God I did because I got this handsome hunk of man right here in my life with three beautiful nuggets. Thief number three is pride. Pride. Perhaps Susan's mom has believed a lie that she is her own source. I know nobody in this room, in this D.C. area, believes that. But perhaps you have fought the same cultural lie that I have fought my entire life. If it's going to be, come on, you know it, it's up to me. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Now, that does not give us permission to sit on the sideline and let God do what what you can already do for yourself. But it means you do your part, you do what you can do, and you leave the rest to God. That's what it means. 
It means that we have to trust God with the outcome. How many know you can study for that exam? You can be the best wife or husband or roommate or friend. You can be the best daughter or son. And can I tell you something? You don't own the results on the other end. Not a thing you can do about it. You're going to have to trust the results to him, which should be very humbling for all of us. At the end of the day, God will bring the increase. God will bring us through because it doesn't rely. We don't rely on our own selves. In fact, Proverbs 16, 18 reminds us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Come on, if you're sitting here thinking like, Christina, I don't know what you're talking about. I do not deal with, with pride. Uh, probably do, actually. Because that would be my first indicator that you think you don't have any problems. Come on, I'm getting real in this church, getting real quiet. This is what the good stuff is. God is like, hey, I know, I know. I, he already knows where you're prideful. Take a knee, surrender, surrender those areas. In fact, here's what can happen if you're not, if we don't begin to dismantle disappointment and fear and pride, here's what happens. The thieves bind together. They come together and it's called, a biblical term for it is a stronghold. And it cements. And when it cements in your mind and in your heart, it gets harder and harder and harder for the truth to penetrate your soul. Because you have allowed, now you're living from past disappointments. You're not even in your present. You've allowed fear to keep you out of where God's taking you. You've been making poor decisions because how many there, there's no good decisions when you're driven by fear. That's not God's best for us. And pride is just nasty. Nobody likes it. You can smell it a mile away. Nobody likes it. And so that is not exactly a sweet fragrance. It's like, oh, right? Nobody wants, this. Nobody wants that. But when we will begin to dismantle them one at a time, you are disempowering the enemy's hold over your life one by one. In fact, we have to uproot that disappointment. We have to realize, hey, maybe there's some weeds growing in the garden of my heart. There's some good stuff, but there's some disappointment if I'm honest with myself. And I have to replace it with Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. How do we do this? We have to get God's heart over that area of disappointment. What is the truth about this situation, God? It hurt. Yeah, I know. Bring it to me. Bring, bring the pain to me. I have a great exchange for you. We have to bring it to him. We have to take our mask off. Do you know that if you have a, a, a wound and you leave it bandaged too long, yes, there is like initial, it's bleeding. In fact, my, my son fell down a tree and literally scratched the whole side of his body. And as soon as it stopped bleeding, we took that bandage off. Why? Because if you keep it bandaged up, the oxygen can't get to it and it can become even more infected. You gotta take it off and let the light shine. And we'll, we'll say it all the time. Take your mask off. Get in community. James 5, practice the word of God. Confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Do I have anyone who has done that and has been sorry for it? <laughs> Come on. Come on. It, it is nice when, when, that, when, the, when the wounds begin to heal. It feels good. It feels right. It feels restorative. We're coming back to a place of wholeness. You know, in my former days, I was a cruise director, and I know that's so hard for some of you to imagine. Try to imagine like a 20-year-old Christina who is unbridled, for sure, and maybe some misdirected um, uh, talent. 
Because my purpose and my goal was like, everyone, we are going to have a party and we are going to have a lot of fun doing it, right? That was my main goal back then. Now, God has redeemed it since then, and I try to use that for good. And so what I know is I had to go, which I didn't sign up for, but I had to go to firefighting school. It was an intensive. Now, I didn't sign up for that. I signed up to be a cruise director. I'm ready to make sure everybody's having a good time. So here I have to get suited up in a fire costume, and I am terrified, terrified. And there are two things I remember. He said, hey, it's kind of not, it's not intuitive. It's like, hey, the, the biggest uh, threat on the ocean is actually fire. Now, who would think? You're like, you're like, you're in a body of water, but it's actually fire. And there's the fire triangle, right? You need oxygen, you need heat, and you need fuel, right? That's the, the fire triangle. I would submit to you <laughs> that fear is like the fire. And our thought life is heats it up or cools it down. And the fuel are our thoughts. So if you want to put out the fire of fear in your life, then you better take inventory of how much of what, what kind of fuel you're giving it. Are you heating it up? Or are you cooling it off? Are you making exchanges or are you throwing heat to the fire? You have to suffocate it out. That's why I'm saying if there's an area of fear, take a step in the opposite direction. Suffocate it completely. But then make sure you cut off the the fuel source, which is your thought life. You have to change your thoughts. This is why God's word tells us renew your mind, renew your mind, renew your mind. Do you know it says do not fear 365 times in the Bible? Okay, it's an important topic. That is like general rule. If God says it multiple times, you should take note of it. Because he knows, just like these heroes of faith that we read about in Hebrews 11, they were humans just like us. They were disappointed. In fact, we can read their life. They had fear. They had pride. Guess what? God still called them. He commended them for their faith. We are walking in their footsteps. Lastly, we have to surrender to that pride. Just lay it down. Luke 14, 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Exalted. We have to humble ourselves. We serve, a, that, going back to our faith, Jesus was the ultimate servant leader. If anyone didn't need to wash his disciples' feet, it was Jesus. What did he do? He modeled the way up is the way down. Let me remind you. Let me remind you, you want to be great? Be the servant of all. Humble yourself, and I will exalt you in due time. Which leads us to our second point. Faith is a shield. Faith is a shield. The official use of a shield is a piece of personal armor held in your hand. So I brought my personal favorite superhero shield. Now, why would I bring a hero into this classic? Well, we are talking about the heroes of faith and heroines of faith. And so I thought I would just share with you what my favorite superhero is. And there's actually two really cool things about Diana is her name. Uh, Wonder Woman. Number one, her shield was made on Paradise Island. It was made for Olympians, not mere mortals. It had supernatural strength. Not only to defend herself from the fiery arrows, but also to fight and push back the enemy. Secondly, when she held this, she has amazing gifts and talents, right? We would all say, man, her superpowers, that lasso rope, she can have people tell her the truth. 
And the same is true for you. In fact, if you missed last week's message on Elf, you should totally, I don't know if I had anyone be able to redeem it the way that he did and bring around a biblical truth like my husband. I'm just saying, it was pretty awesome. If God can use Elf, he can use you, right? And so he talked about like, you have special talents and abilities that are unique to you. Well, Diana had supernatural strengths. When she put the, used this sword, it became supernatural. Like it would become even more like just uh, durable so that the enemy couldn't penetrate. The same is true for us, church. God's word tells us to put on the full armor of God, but he says, use your shield of faith. Here's what I know. Number one, it came from God, which means it's durable. It's durable for the fight, just like Diana's sword, her shield. And here's what I know. You take the things that you think are seemingly insignificant about yourself, you put the shield of faith to it, guess what happens? You have God's supernatural strength and power to do great exploits. Isn't that awesome? I hope that encourages you this morning. The shield of faith. Well, Christina, why would we need to put up a shield? Because the Bible tells us that there are fiery arrows being thrown at us. We often do not recognize them. In fact, let me give you a few scriptural references for this. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Ephesians 6, 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as if it was something strange was happening to you. And lastly, Proverbs 35, every word of God is tested. Isn't that so reassuring? You're like, I'm so glad I came to church to be comforted today. Every word of God will be tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He is a shield. Bringing us back to Miracle on 34th Street. Santa is being framed because Cole's department store has a competitor and they want him out of there because they thought Cole's was going down, but he's not because they brought Santa, the superstar in, and their sales are going out the roof. So they frame him. And they are bringing him to the judge in a courtroom to say, this is not Santa Claus. In fact, he has the best lawyer, which is Dory's boyfriend. He is the best lawyer in New York, and he is defending Santa Claus, but he's ready to throw in the towel. He's like, I don't know what else I can do for you, man. Santa is about to get locked up. We're going to play the clip. Very extreme example. But, but... Susan reminds the judge that if faith can exist without physical evidence, then so can Santa, right? Um, Sometimes it's really hard to see that you're actually in a spiritual battle. In fact, even this past week, you know, it's holiday week, kids are out of schedule, everybody is off, if you will, on normal kind of schedules, and it throws everybody into a tizzy sometimes. And You know, so we had this moment and everyone just had really bad attitudes. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I'm trying to rationally figure out what is causing the infighting and the crazy. Can I just say that? Yes, we are not a perfect family, right? There is a lot going on. And I just had this moment and I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, Christina, put your shield of faith up. Put your shield of faith up over your family and over your kids. And in that moment, I just began to pray quietly. And can I tell you, 
give it a couple minutes. It's like a peace just came over the car ride. How many took a road trip? I mean, my goodness. And, and the Lord just like kind of just reminded me. He's like, Christina, the shield of faith is not just for the big battles. It's every day, all the time. When you begin to sense that you're trying to deal, deal with things in the natural and you're like, man, why is there so much frustration and all the opposite things of the fruit of the spirit? That's a good signal. Number one, yeah, check it. Are the kids fed? Yep, check, right? Do the natural checks, but also don't neglect the fact that you are in a spiritual battle for your soul and for the people around you. Take note, there is never a bad time to pray. There is never a bad time to put your shield of faith up and fight. There is never a bad time to declare peace over your situation and your circumstances. Perhaps today you are wrestling today. Even as you consider going into the holidays, some of you just came back from different families and different things. And the holidays can be primed with joy and sadness. It can be grief and loss, but it can also be, you know, sometimes it can trigger negative emotions from unprocessed pain. And disappointments from our past. May I submit to you as you come into this season of the holiday, of the Christmas holiday, put your shield up. Put your shield up. Decide, I am not going to let the, the, my fear and disappointment rule here. In fact, I'm going to put some water on it and I'm going to replace those thoughts with the word of God and I am going to have a different outcome. Can I get an amen? You are not victim to your circumstances. You are not. Maybe some of you are facing some financial or health struggles. Maybe people in your family are. These are real struggles. Can I remind you, put your shield up. Every day that you pay the bills and every day that you get a good doctor's report and you come back and you take a step and you're able to walk and breathe and talk, give him thanks, put your shield up. Don't take your shield down. Keep putting your shield up. Fight the good fight of faith. In fact, we see this miracle in the courtroom happened in, in the heart. It was a miracle of the heart, not only for the judge, but also for Dory. You saw that quick like um, shot of her face. You can see something is happening on the inside of Dory. It's small, remember it's just a seed, a seed, a mustard seed of faith. That's all it takes. And it grows into a full blown tree that provides shade for others. Use your shield this week. Read the word of God, pray, talk to him, worship, get in community, spiritual community who can fight the battle with you. Lastly is faith is our reward. Faith is our reward. In other words, our reward is not the thing that you have faith for. It's not the healing. It's not the, the financial breakthrough. It's not the relationship to be mended. He is our reward. He told Abraham, Abraham, it's not in your promised child Isaac that he waited and prayed for. It wasn't that. He says, I am your great reward. You seek me, Matthew 6, You put me in first place and everything else will fall into place. And guess what? If it doesn't fall in place the way you think, guess what? I am the reward. I am the reward. You know, I can remember being 18 years old. I had my, my father and my stepmom. I, I split my Christmases. And I remember, you know, as an 18-year-old, I was hoping for designer jeans and some Gucci, you know. 18 is what I'm praying for. I got a letter in my stocking. Can I tell you, I reflect on that letter often. Because it was a, a heartfelt letter from my stepmom. And it said, hey, Christina, I could get you all these amazing gifts. And, you know, you'll get some. Maybe not what, exactly what you asked for. But 
I want to give you a better gift. I want to tell you the secret for living a fulfilled life. It's not dependent on what you get or what you don't get. It's a loving union. It's a relationship with Jesus that's not religion-based. Religion says, clean yourself up, come to God. No, relationship is come with all your mess. Come with your disappointment. Come with your fear. Come with your pride. He is big enough to handle it. He has a great exchange for you. She said, do that for the rest of your life. That will be the great reward. He is the reward. I reflect often on that gift because it's true. Life has ups and downs. Things come and go. Money, bank accounts are full. Bank accounts are empty. Life happened. We have good health. We don't have good health. He remains. He remains. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards. Underline that. He is the great rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. This word reward actually is translated in the Greek to become or to be born or to create. He loves creating something out of seemingly nothing. It seems like nothing, but God's working. He's already working on the things that you are praying about, that you're fasting about, that you are asking God to do. He's working. Just make sure your priority stays on him. He is the reward. He is the reward. Hebrews 11 lays out 31 achievements. I just want to stir your faith if I have not already. (laughs) By faith, Enoch walked with God and he never tasted death. By faith, Noah built an ark and he saved the human race. (laughs) By faith, Abraham went to a place that God would show him and a nation was birthed. Who would have seen it? By faith, Sarah, who was too old to have a baby, she, she defied science and and what our mental minds can wrap around. And she had a baby far beyond childbearing years. By faith, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt and he preserved a generation. By faith, you fill in the blank. You're next. We're next. Here's the baton. You have no idea what's your obedience to deal with the things that you think are private, the disappointments, the fears, and the pride. You deal with it, you have no idea what's on the other side of your obedience. It will impact way more than just you, I promise that. God is, loves us and he's all about us, but can I tell you, he's all about all of us. And your life is not meant to be lived small. Hebrews 12, 12, and I close with this and our worship team can come. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. You are on a journey. Wherever you are on that journey, if you came in like Dory, (laughs) you were disappointed, disenchanted, and stuck in disappointment, God wants to move you forward today. If fear is eating your lunch about something and you can't seem to move forward, God wants his love, his perfect love to cast out that fear. He wants you operating far above where you're at today. If you came in with maybe a little pride, you're like, you're stepping on my toes, Christina. I don't apologize today because I love you too much. I love you too much. The times where people have pointed out things in my life in a loving way, they have only made me better. God has a great, great plan for you. You know, Dory became a believer because of her relationship with Chris Kringle. 
It was through this relationship that she begins to believe and the seed begins to grow. And you know what she gets at the end of it? Mr. Collins becomes her husband, not because that's what she was seeking, but because she was seeking a relationship with the one who could give it to her. That is the point, church, is that we can't miss the point. He is our great reward. With every eye closed and head bowed, I just want to give a moment.